When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what's up? Welcome in by week edition of Wednesday GC Live. West Mitchell, Chris Clark, as always, are brought to you by Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933 for in the market to buy a home. You need somebody to walk you through that process. Clint is your guy. He is a mortgage broker right here in Columbia, but he can help you out anywhere in the state of South Carolina and then even in some states beyond that. Huge Gamecock fan is Clint. And uh, chances are he's going to talk some ball with you, too. So if you need somebody to commiserate about the loss from this past week, Clint is your guy, while also simultaneously finding you a great rate, a great interest rate on a mortgage. 803-771-6933. Call Clint today. Bye week rolling along. South Carolina actually, for the most part, Chris, done with their bye week in terms of practices. They practice Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The guys will get some time to kind of recoup, relax, reset a little bit, and uh, we'll be back on Sunday. So a chance for some of those guys, if they're close by, to head on home, which I, I think is obviously pretty well-timed for South Carolina. And we're going to talk today about bye week to-do list, which I know, Chris, you have a story up. I just stole your title and threw it on this podcast episode, and that's what we're going to roll with, man. But first, I wanted to play this clip from Shane Beamer. Some of it is your typical, you know, bi-week talk. And uh, so no press conference this week, no kind of normal Tuesday deal, no coordinators. But he did speak on the SEC teleconference, which usually he has just spoken on Tuesday. Teleconference is always on Wednesday. Usually there's nothing new from a South Carolina perspective on it. But this week, it maybe had a little bit more importance just because he hadn't spoken. And he was asked for his key takeaways from self-scouting, kind of their approach going into this week. And I want I want everybody to listen to kind of the final few sentences of this because I it's kind of interesting. We're, we're going to read into things or we're just going to kind of pretend to be the coaches and see what maybe we would do as far as our bye week to-do list. So this clip's about a minute, but uh, this is Shane Beamer. Again, the question was, you know, what, what were your takeaways this week? What, what was your focus this week after sort of self-scouting and self-evaluating where you are through five games? Yeah, a lot. You know, you look back schematically, are we doing the things that we need to be doing in all three phases? Um, is, you know, it may be schematically something that we want to do that, that we maybe just don't have the personnel quite for right now. So we've done that in all three phases. Um, you look at personnel. Are there some guys uh, that maybe haven't been playing that can help us? This is a week to get them opportunities to see what they can do. Are there guys that have been playing that maybe would be better suited to play somewhere different uh, at that position? 
Uh, those are things you look at and and uh, really just get back to work. So I'd say there's been a lot of things in all three phases. I'll you know wait till after the Florida game to talk more specifically about those things, but certainly feel like we've uh, gotten better as a team during these three days, and really appreciate the uh, the effort and the energy that our players have practiced with the last three days. They've been they've been fantastic and and uh, uh, have a great eagerness and desire to improve. Okay, so some of the typical bye week coach speak, normal stuff in there that, that you expect to get, that's that's a given. But the couple of little things that kind of caught my attention, and let me find my transcript. I actually have a transcript on this. Um, when he said, I'll wait until after the Florida game to talk more specifically about those things, that tells me that there are maybe some things in consideration that will actually be noticeable, that it's not just like, hey, we're going to run this passing concept this way instead of this way, and then nobody outside of the room except for maybe opponents breaking down every aspect of film, oh, they're running this concept now instead of that one. To me, this sounded like, Chris, it could be a little bit more than that. Uh, he said, you look at personnel. Are there some guys that maybe haven't been playing that can help us? That's sort of self-explanatory. This is a week to get them opportunities to see what they can do. Are there some guys that have been playing that maybe would be better suited to play somewhat different at that position? Yeah, I, I, I wanted you to go back and check the tape, so to speak. I'm glad you had a transcript. Play. Let's read it again. I, I hope I have this right, but it, it, what, it was said kind of uh, ambiguously. I I felt like I had heard play at a different spot at the same position or, or something of that nature, right? So kind of, and so it left me wondering what exactly that meant. Is that saying, it. yeah, and so he, he didn't say, now I don't know if he meant to say that, he didn't say play a different position. Right. Really would have had my wheels turning. Uh, <laughs> sure. Oh, what, what is he talking about? Could could that fall under that umbrella potentially play a dip, you know, or play? Let me go back to my transcript. Better suited to play somewhere different at that position. Yeah, somewhere the different way at that position. Yeah. The way he started the sentence almost sounded like a softened way of saying play less, like somewhere different on the depth chart. Yeah, potentially, if we're if we're going to really try to interpret this thing. You know, somewhere different at that position could mean, like last week, we saw Eamon Worry. He's still a DB, but he's playing nickel. Playing nickel, yep. Instead of playing safety. So it could mean that. It could mean it could mean a guy is playing a different position, but I don't quite want to say that because, you know, of Florida. Could it mean a guard is playing tackle, a tackle is playing guard? Yes, but just the fact – that and I realize this is you know this is bye week. We're getting deep into the weeds here, y'all. We're we might be digging a little bit, might be reaching a little bit, but you don't say. I'll, I'll tell you what those things are. After Florida, basically after you see them on the field, I'll yeah. tell you why. Because I don't want Florida to see it. Essentially, you don't say that if it's not at least somewhat of a change, right? Yeah, it's something different, and and I think. I mean, Wes, some of them could be 
smaller schematic tweaks that people don't notice as much, right? Some of them could be like for even though special teams have been such a topic of conversation since Shane Beamer and Pete Lindbergh got here, it could be playing a couple different guys on the kickoff or kick return team, right? Like there could be some of those things, but it could be bigger things too. It could be all of those, but it's not nothing, right? Given what he said. And I mean, look, you're a two and three football team. Yes, you're a beat up team, but even given that, and especially given that actually, this is a week where you're trying to find some answers. You know, you're trying to get healthy, but you're also trying to find some answers through self-scouting and kind of, you actually have a little bit more time to dive into the personnel, right? I mean, you you come back from a football game, win or lose on Saturday, and you walk back in on Sunday, and you're doing corrections, and you're right back on the practice field, you're off Monday, and then you're in the game prep. You know, so the the amount of time that you have is a quick turnaround. And so can you tweak things? Yes. Can you change some personnel? Yes, during game weeks. But you have a little bit more time during the bye week to assess those things. You have some practices, Wes, which, as you said earlier, you've got, you know, the schedule was different this week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then some days off until they're back Sunday. Those give you an opportunity to rest some guys, to practice some, you know, younger guys. You get a better look at some guys that haven't been playing as much. And you can not experiment. That's too strong of a word, but you can take a look at some things that maybe you've been wondering that in the heat of a game week with that much urgency, maybe you wouldn't feel like you have as much as much time to do. But what do we think uh, some of those things could be, or or maybe we could take it should be right. Like what are what are some of these tweaks since we talked about uh, a bye week to do list? You know, from a from a personnel standpoint, let's start there. I mean, what what can you do? What should you do? Yeah, I, I, and I don't know. I got my wheels turning. Sometimes a coach says something, and it's kind of like, oh, I I kind of know what he's talking about. In this case, don't really know at this point. Uh, Will on YouTube saying, is he talking about wide receiver usage, like an X receiver versus another spot, a guy playing in the slot versus playing outside? I think that certainly fits kind of among – the category of you, you would maybe say it the way Beamer said it if you were talking about that. Um, you know, like I said earlier, guard versus tackle. I don't necessarily think it means you're making some wholesale, full-on position change. I don't know if there's a ton of guys that really fit that. that now, there are a few that you look at and say, you know, this guy, uh, you know, Vakari Swain. Could he play wide receiver one day? A- absolutely. Like, I, I think that's a, a guy who's not playing right now that you say, hey, we know this guy was a great athlete out of high school. What is it going to take to put him in a position to help this team? Now, best case scenario, I think, is you could bring him along at corner at DB and find a way for him to help you there. Obviously, the uh, – all right. That is that – that's that. our uh... – National test. Yeah, that's our nationwide alert, Wes. We're all uh, we're all on the same wavelength together here. Well, it worked. Did work. Hopefully, everybody else got theirs. We're all okay. Just a test. This is a test in caps. How many people did that just scare the absolute crap of? You you of? really didn't you didn't know that was coming today, dude? I knew it was coming, but there's here. 
I don't I don't want to go into a rant here. Uh-oh. No, there there's so many there's so many notifications and headlines and things that you're supposed to read every single day. Your phone is just like zzz, zzz. hey, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. I knew they were doing an alert. I honestly didn't even look at when it was gonna be because I was like, when it goes off, I'm sure I'll know. Yes. And and I did. It it worked. It got my attention. Um, hopefully it worked for everybody else as well. But um it's very loud. It works very well. Good job, <laughs> government. Um, anyway, back to football. But, you know, are there some guys on this team you look at and say, maybe this guy could help you here, make, maybe he could help you there? Yes, but you can't really necessarily say, hey, go play another position and then spend three days at the position and then you're going to just help us beat Florida. That doesn't quite work like that. Chris raised here's, his hand. Here's one I've got. I want to bring it up. I want to get your thoughts. <laughs> Lenora Sellers, short yardage, utilization. I, I mean, please, please. I, I know you want it. You were, you're the OG please. on this. Could it be? That, I'm, I mean, I'm honestly a little bit upset with myself that I didn't say that first because you know that's my drum I've been beating on. I know I kind of stole it, but no, I'm I'm glad you did. That would be here. Here's here's my idea: Lenora Sellers under center, tush push on short yards. There's a reason that it works. Was it 92 percent of the time when the Eagles run it? Yeah, and that's not even with a big quarterback. Granted, they block it up, too. Yeah. But my boy Mario Anderson, who I had a great conversation with earlier this week for Garnet Trust Hour. Mario Anderson pushing 240 pounds of Lenora Sellers. You're probably getting a yard. So, you would think. Like, ding, ding. That's Frederick saying Jalen Hurts squats 700 pounds. That's pretty dang good um and a good point Fred but still 240 pounds 240 plus pounds is 240 plus pounds um good call Chris I feel like you're gonna end up being right on that um all right let's do it I really don't want to but let's do it do we at some point soon just to quiet the masses do we see a Nicholas Harbor deep ball at some point in the next three games? Oh, yeah. See, that surprised me. You said the next three games. Yes. I, I think we probably do too. But the deep I ball think attempt, right? Just an yeah, attempt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attempt. Um I, I think I think worth pointing out again for the hundredth time that um, the expectations were never for Nicholas Harbor to come in and play 60 snaps a game. Right. Have an Alshon first season, you know, and, and, and here's, here's the beauty of sports. You never actually know what a guy's going to do. So was there a scenario where Harbor comes in and just um, kind of, takes off immediately and just settles right in and then plays a little bit more than even Chris and I have been saying coming in. 
Of course, there are guys every year that play more than we expect. There are guys every year that play less than we expect. But in this case, you people have been telling you for months, don't put unrealistic expectations on Nicholas Harbor. Because for one, it's not even fair to him either. Yeah. So don't get caught up on the five-star athlete. Because he is a five-star athlete. That doesn't mean he has the four years of development of playing wide receiver that most five-star wide receivers would have at this yes. point. Um, now, do we continue to see the freshman play a little bit more? I think we do. Do you maybe, you know, look at trying to use that speed to stretch the field? Yes. Is, in, in my opinion, actually watching the games and not just going off of five stars and six five. I think Tyshawn Russell is the guy that I want to get involved a little bit more if possible. Yeah. Um, but also, all that stuff you're hearing from Beamer where he says, hey, and he's talking in general about the wide receivers, but still, you can take it however you want. Hey, our guy's got to be more consistent. Hey, our, guy, our guy's got to run their routes precisely. They're not making that up. That's not just, you know, oh, let me think of a reason. That That's legitimate. You throw interceptions in big games by having a receiver run his route a little bit wrong. The difference in a completion and a non-completion is the route being 12 yards versus 13 yards. So I, I I get I get it's like the cool thing right now, but I still just can't I can't go there yet where I'm saying, what are they doing not playing player A? I promise you, if there's a 6'5, 240-pound dude that runs 10-3 and he was just completely ready to go play 100 snaps, he would be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the the, the devil's advocate part of that would be, um, which I, I wouldn't argue this, Wes, but to bring it up in fairness is, well, we'll get him ready, right? That That's on the staff to get him ready. And, you know, th- is there some truth in that? Yes. But there's more uh, weight placed on everything else that we – weren't just speculating on West. We we knew these things. I mean, th- this drum about not putting expectations too high on Nicholas Harbor have been beat for a long time, right? And we didn't argue this. Not we didn't have GC Live back then, uh, but we didn't argue this when Marcus Lattimore came in or when Jadavion Clowney came in, right? Those guys were expected to have big impacts. And they did, and they surpassed those even, you know. Um, It took Alshon Jeffrey a while to get going. Once he did, he surpassed expectations probably in year one. But Nicholas Harbor is a different situation than any of those guys. And, you know, we tried to set that table. Shane Beamer tried to set that table beforehand. So, you know, can they find a way to get him more involved? Can they try to bring him along more? Yes, right, but... I don't think, Wes, personally, that this is talked about quite as much if USC is just healthy at wide receiver. If they've just got Xavier Leggett and Juice Wells and a Marion Brown out there, number one, it, it is possible. I don't know how probable it is, but you have to bear in mind the possibility that the season could have gone differently. 
even with some O-line struggles, you know, uh, could have gone a little bit differently, but I don't think we would be assessing, we being the media, the fans, or even Shane Beamer in his press conference the other day saying that they've got to get better at wide receiver in a hurry if you're healthy, because then you've got three starters. You're playing Omega Blake and Luke Doty and Russell and Harbor and some other guys. You're, you're playing them a little bit at receiver, and then for the most part, you know, you're playing your your starters there and letting them be the guy. But the reality is that South Carolina for the entire season has been playing with at least one starting receiver, very limited or injured. And for most of the season, they've been playing with two starting wide receivers, either out or very limited or limited. So uh, that look, that has a realistic effect. And that's one reason that we're talking so much about Nicholas Harbor and, and, you know, Tyshawn Russell to a, to a smaller extent, but that's really just going back to, you know, high school rankings and, and what people think of those. For sure, man. And I, uh, you know, I, I think me personally, I'll, I'll admit like, I, I want to, I want to see Harbor continue to come along. I want to see Harbor play more as well, because oh, yeah. it's exciting to think about just as a fan of sports, being able to watch this guy as he comes along. But, we also, like, I think you got a lot of people who literally are just saying, hey, he's a five-star, why is he not playing? Um, you know, and that's that's where I go back to the, you've, you've been warned. And there is a certain amount, and I'm not talking about any specific player. I'm talking about players in general. Yes, I'll, I'll be devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. Yes, it's on the coaches to get a guy ready. But if it was that easy, then all all 85 scholarship guys would be ready. Like <laughs> everybody, right. yeah. everybody has different things they're working on. Everybody has different things that uh, they need to improve on. And, you know, some of it's on the coaches. Some of it's on the players. It's normally a combination of everybody involved, honestly. Um, Travis making a good point. Some Not all five stars are the same. Some of them are five stars. He brings up Jordan Birch. I think that's actually a great example. I remember even talking to people who knew Jordan Birch very well, watched him his entire high school career. They said, look, this guy can be a future first-round draft pick, but it may be his junior year of college before you really start to see it at that level. And looking back, I think that was kind of fair, honestly. you know, with Harbor, you you hope it's not till his junior year, but and that's a different position for for part of it. But let you know, let's again, let's just be fair. I'll keep repeating myself. Let's be fair to him and not just blindly say, "Well, hey, the five star has to play more because of that." Uh, very talented kid, obviously. Nobody's saying he's not, but uh, need fair expectations there. Um, in any other. Thoughts on what this may mean? Uh, just Beamer's comments. William says, DJ, Braswell needs more plays. You, I mean, you know, Chris, I would love to see that just because I've kind of been thinking that could be something that happens at some point this year anyway. I think Braswell is that guy as we completely overanalyze a handful of snaps against Furman. <laughs> Seemed a little bit caught up into that well, I'm just going to outrun everybody to the outside because I could do that. Whereas you got to kind of, 
You got to be a little <laughs> more patient. Yeah. Keep it inside a little bit more. It just felt that way to me. I know it was very limited snaps. It was, all right, I, I'm going to get to the outside and just run by all these guys. That's That doesn't work in the SEC, as we know. So I think there's some development there. But it's Braswell, I think, going to be a good player. Like, I, I know, Chris, you and I have both heard separately. Like, people are still high on this kid and what he's going to bring to this team. It's just a matter of how quickly it happens. But, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if at some point soon we started to see him get a little bit more of a shot, even though it does – I mean, Mario Anderson, first career South Carolina start this past week, he he passed that test, uh, you know, and then some. Yeah, he did. And, you know, he – all indications are that he's going to be, you know, the lead guy. We've seen the staff, you know, against Tennessee. They integrated Juju McDowell a little bit more. There are some people kind of wondering – where where's Juju McDowell been? You know, he's been kind of the second kick return guy, but hasn't seen a lot of touches. You know, to carry on Joiner West, that's that's another guy that, you know, could could be Shane Beamer be thinking and envisioning about, you know, could, are there some different things that he could do? I mean, may, maybe he's in that conversation, but I'm definitely intrigued by Braswell because, you know, just in terms of pure speed, and you, you might could even say just pure talent, Wes, he might be the most talented back on the roster but it does it is again about more than that and to kind of go back to to tie this together whether it's harbor braswell if you go back and look at you know the the five stars from the last 2023 class even if you want to start getting into the four-star realm where where braswell was ranked this is not south carolina is not the only school where those guys that are five and and high four stars and four stars haven't stepped in and all started and scored 800 touchdowns and, and all made an immediate in, or, or just some type of impact. There are different levels. There are some schools where freshmen who are highly ranked are starting. There's some where freshmen who are highly ranked are, you know, playing a little bit. There are some where they're not playing at all. I mean, let, let's go back to South Carolina. I mean, look at Jalen Kilgore. He was a, he was actually I, th- I think people kind of forget he was actually a pretty highly ranked guy and on three was very high on him. He wasn't a five star, but he was highly ranked. He's come in, he's shown that he's ready. There was a little bit of opportunity, you know, that kind of crossed over with that at the beginning because Nicky Memori did go down, but he got on the field, he performed well, he's continued performing well in practice, he's performed well in the opportunities that he's gotten. And ultimately, he's proved to be too good to keep off the field, right? And that's kind of what it comes down to. Generally, you know, some coaches are more confident than others. Some have a better feel for which guys to play. But but as a general statement, coaches are trying to keep their jobs. And they're going to try to play the guys that they think give them the best chance to win. Are they always going to call the right play? No. Are they always going to develop guys perfectly? No but they're trying to play the guys that give them the best chance. So a Jalen Kilgore, he wasn't the highest ranked guy in the, in the class, but he had some expectations on him when he got here, maybe more quietly, but he did. And he has lived up to him. So it's really just again to go back to your point, Wes, it's about how ready a guy is when he gets here. I think I got us way off track of whatever the point you were trying to make was. No, I don't even, I don't even know what I say on these things half the time, to be honest. So (laughs) if you, uh, 
you got us off the track, so I probably didn't. That's a great – um, we should put that on, like, our show intro. Yes, Great advertisement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't even know what I say. But Kilgore, what it, What do you think of my take that Kilgore has been the most consistent player on defense this year? <laughs> most consistently productive. Well, I would – I might start an argument and say T.J. Sanders has been. But it's almost definitely one of those two. I'm trying to – so, did TJ do much against North Carolina? Not as much. So, TJ kind of had his breakout against Georgia. Yeah. You know, and um, – I just feel like Kilgore has been, has been there every game. Like, for a true freshman, it's insane how good he's been. Yeah, and, yeah. He he's honestly one of the best tacklers that South Carolina has had in terms of actually wrapping up form tackle. Now he can hit you when he wants to, but most of the time he comes in and ends the play. Like he's <laughs> right. a stopper. Like he he's going to get you on the ground. And that doesn't mean he's going to be perfect, but for a true freshman, I mean, it, it really is scary. I know this was like the it was like the easy comparison to say, oh, it's kind of like how Nicky Memori came in, uh, you know, when somebody got hurt. But it's played out like that. The way he's actually performed, too, is the crazy part. Yeah, it, it certainly has. I mean, and I think I'm, I'm going to go look, Wes, just for as a point of reference. We, we don't like to take PFF grades and say, you know, his grade is this, and so that means – this right but just to see how highly he's been graded yeah i mean look he's so i'm pulling up the report out of guys who have played a lot and kilgore has played here's one sign he's played the fourth most snaps on the team as a true freshman on defense so there's number one i mean just showing that you know you've got that trust in him to do that but out of those guys, he's the top-graded defensive player on the team. Like, Terrell Dawkins is number one technically per PFF, but he's only played 26 snaps. So it's kind of hard, you know. Um, but Jalen Kilgore is ranked higher than, you know, Tyreek Johnson's played 108. Tom Hemingway's played 225. Marcel Style, 343. TJ Sanders, 197. So you can see these guys have played a lot. Kilgore's played 302 snaps. He's the highest-ranked guy in that mix defensively in terms of grade. He's got the highest run defense grade on the team. Who has the highest tackle grade? He's got the highest tackle grade on the team. Uh, Right ahead, actually, of Nick Emanwari. Jalen Kilgore's tackle grade, 87.8, which is really, really good. Um, He only... He's credited with 35 tackles this season. He's only missed two, uh, two tackles this season. And his coverage grade is the third highest on the team. And he's played more snaps by far than the two guys in front of him. So he's got a much higher sample size. So in short, that one data point, and then statistically, the statistical data points of just his production, like look what he did, what, 15 tackles and a pick against Tennessee, plus the eyeball test, I mean, definitely backs up what you're saying. He's He's been awesome. I got it pulled up now, too. He also has 14 stops 
which I thought at first, I was like, that's one of those made up things. Like, that's not a real thing. But stops, and at 14 is tied for most on the team with Debo Williams. That is when you make a tackle, and the tackle is meaningful. So it basically takes out a tackle where you're dragging a guy down 12 yards downfield. I think the exact definition gets into, like, success rate. And if your tackle stops a player from having a successful play. So generally on first down, I think success rate, a successful first down play puts you at second and five or better, I think. So a stop would be you tackled the runner after three yards. So you want your linebackers to be up there tackling people short of success. Uh, To a different degree, you obviously want that with your safeties as well. But kind of kind of telling man i mean i th- i think uh let's see marcellus dial was the other guy that i kind of i feel like has just quietly steadily been one of their best defenders pff kind of has him middle of the pack as far as overall season grade um the other, the other thing that i really hate about pff y'all is if if everybody else has played 400 snaps, and then one guy's played, like, 10 snaps. It, it should kind of, like, throw yeah. throw those to the side. It should give you a better – it should be among the guys who are in the regular rotation. Yes. Really. Yeah. So, right now, among the regular rotation guys, Jalen is your highest graded on PFF. Tonka is second. And – that's I'm not including Tyreek Johnson either. He's up there. I mean, he's he's played 108 snaps, so he's played. Funny. But and he's he started last week, but still not near as you know. Tonka has played double the snaps as Tyreek, just to give you kind of an idea. Tonka second, TJ third among regular players. Dial fourth. So I mean that that feels right. That okay. I feel like that's. That's where the eye test is. And we didn't plan to get all into PFF grades during this, but it, it actually probably is a good time to assess being that you're almost at the halfway point, Chris. And being at the halfway point of the show means it's time for me to tell you about one of our great sponsors, Wes. And that is our friend Trey Harrell, auto accident attorney. And Wes, some big news because Trey Harrell was recently voted best personal injury attorney by the readers of the post and courier. So congratulations to Trey, but congratulations even more to his clients, because that means that they're getting great representation from Trey Harrell auto accident attorney right here in the great state of South Carolina. Trey Harrell helps people who are injured in auto accidents all over Gamecock country and all over the state of the South, the state of South Carolina. You can find him online at attorney Harold, H-A-R-R-E-L-L, attorneyharrell.com, or on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at Trey Helps. That's his handle. That's his handle on all of those platforms where you can find him. If you've unfortunately been injured in an auto accident here in the state of South Carolina, don't go at it alone. Find you an attorney who's going to fight for you, who's going to fight to get what you deserve. Find you an attorney who helps. And so remember, Trey Harrell. Helps. That's Trey Harrell. Trey helps on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or attorneyharrell.com. Appreciate Trey Harrell helping us bring you GC Live 
a couple times a week. No doubt. Appreciate Trey. And you know what, guys? Uh, rather than break the show up twice, let's uh, let's go ahead and tell everybody about our friends at Game Time. Game Time app, GameTime.co. The first thing that pops up, South Carolina, Florida game. And uh, Chris, I, I'm actually thinking about making the plunge going to the Braves game on Saturday. Ooh. Game one, I think they're going to be playing the Phillies. Right now, um, we don't even know what time the game is going to be yet, but you can already buy tickets right here on the That's Game awesome. Time app. They got a flash deal going right now. Um, not going to lie to you, playoff tickets, they're not going to be cheap regardless, but the beauty of the Game Time app, and again, gametime.co.com, easiest way to do it, though, is just to download the app, is that they have a lowest price guarantee. That means if you find tickets to in the same section, same row, to the same game for less game time is going to credit you with 110% of the difference because they are dedicated. They are obsessed with finding ways to save you money. Download the game time app right now, create an account and use the code Gamecocks for $20 off your first purchase terms on that do apply. But again, just create an account, redeem the code, hit Gamecocks. You'll get $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. They want me to spell out Gamecocks for you, but I'm I'm going to just trust that if you're on this show that you can spell out Gamecocks. So I actually have a friend who went to the Tennessee game using the Game Time app and got $20 off thanks to our code. So you can do the same, whether that's Florida game, whether that's a future game, Clemson game, or if you want to go watch the Braves beat up on the Phillies in the division series coming up, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, let's see, Chris. I the the PFF offensive numbers. I do. I gotta say, are, are the PFF numbers getting better? Are we getting better? Or because they they actually visually kind of align with what my eyes have seen this yeah. year. That's not always the case. Highest graded, mm-hmm. what? No, I was just processing what you. I I I have. I didn't answer your question, and I'm not sure. High, really. Highest graded players on offense. Okay. Are literally the two guys yeah. you would think. Spencer Rattler and XL. Yep. XL currently kind of edging out Spencer by about a point. Um, Lenora Sellers actually the highest graded, but again. We're talking about 11 snaps. Among the guys in the regular rotation, Leggett one, Rattler two, and our boy Mario Anderson already climbing the chart here Makes and sense. checking in as number three. By the way, if you missed our Garnet Trust interview with him, I would encourage you to go listen to it. Uh, the interviewer himself probably eh, yeah. on his C-plus game. Um <laughs> Not the best performance, but Mario did a fantastic job. And I uh, really got to know him a little bit more. But my favorite part, Chris, was I was chatting with him before the interview. And I was like, Mario, like, dude, you you turned on the Jets on that 75-yarder. And uh, he kind of just started laughing. And he's like, why, why does everybody say that? And, uh, you know, he said it humbly. but. He was kind of saying, like, 
that's what I do. Like I can I, run. A, yeah. a lot of his Newberry runs are long ball runs. And, um, you know, I, I thought that was kind of fascinating that maybe we even – it kind of reminds me a little bit of how we pegged Kevin Harris as being, oh, this is just a downhill power old school back. He's going to get you some extra yardage, but he's not going to be a home run guy for you. And, I mean, he he proved he can be against an SEC defense, you know, when there's room to run. Yeah, absolutely. Remember when Kevin Harris broke that big run against Vanderbilt, 88-yarder, oh, I, like, I think? <laughs> my eyes were doing the eye emoji thing. I was like, wow, what a run like, that where, was. Yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mario breaks through the line. You go, oh, there's there's finally a big hole in the run game, and then you're just kind of sitting there watching, and nobody's catching him. You know, it's like Spurrier. Yes, he's not fast. Nobody catch him. <laughs> and uh, he just kept going, man. But, yeah, I mean – Look, he he did do that at Newberry. I remember the other day, earlier this week, when you told me that that Mario said that, I kind of went up and down his Newberry logs and you know, tons of big runs, you know. I mean, had a 75-yarder there last year, a, I think a 69, 68-69-yarder there, and a bunch of other ones. Now, does it translate? Well, not as well at, at the SEC level. You're going to have more guys that have an opportunity to chase you down, but if you can do it at that level, then you have at least have an opportunity to translate it to the next level. So uh, I think the biggest thing is there hasn't been as many opportunities, right, to have those breakaway runs um, for anybody, whether it's Anderson, Joyner, McDowell, who, whoever's been in there, uh, those opportunities haven't been there. So he's continuing to come along, man. He's continuing to, I think, just get more and more comfortable here at South Carolina. And um, he, he's going to be a key part if they can get this thing turned around, you know, offensively. And from a team like record standpoint, th- there's a lot of work to do, health being a, a big part of it. But um, he's been kind of a been kind of a revelation, you know, uh, since since he stepped in and, and had those carries in the Georgia game. Fun to watch, man. And I, man, I'm starting to think. We we've had this take before, and it's not foolproof. Nothing is in sports, but. When a guy, even if it's at D2, and do you have to be still a little bit careful? Like if a guy is my size out there, he's not going to come in and play SEC running back. But for the most part, if you rush for 3,000 and something yards at the D2 level, if you rush for 1,500 yards in a season, which I was looking back over, I mean, I knew the numbers. I don't know if I paid a ton of attention to them. I was looking back over him for my research before sitting down with him. And I mean, he in his career at Newberry, 3,301 yards rushing. That's third in school history, 35 rushing touchdowns, first team All American this past season, and was a finalist for the Harlan Hill Trophy. That did get a little bit of buzz. That's kind of their Heisman Trophy for that level. Uh, Two time first team All Conference. And, um, in his career, he carried the ball 513 times, averaging 6.4 yards a carry. And in his 29 games, 16 of them, he went over 100 yards. So I know stats aren't everything. But for the most part, if you if you can do it at that level, I'm not saying you're going to do it to the same level at the SEC. Like, you can't expect him to rush for 1,500. But think about that. 1500 yards like that's that's a season man like that is 
you've done something. So yeah, a lot of these guys, at least for South Carolina, the ones coming from lower level but highly productive have kind of been able to translate that to the SEC level for the most part. Yeah, if you've got um, production, big-time production, and if you have some traits that can translate, typically it's going to. you know. And so for Mario, he can run better than he was given credit, I think, coming in. But we also knew that he was just a reliable runner, a tough runner. You know, he could break off some big runs at that level. He's shown he can do it here now at South Carolina. And um, he, he can break tackles. He can absorb contact and break tackles with, and especially, Wes, with some of the issues that we've seen up front. We know you're, you got to do that anyway. To be successful, to be a really good running back at this level, or even to be a good running back, you have to be able to make somebody miss, absorb contact. And he can do that. And it's even more important for this South Carolina team that has frankly not created a lot of holes. Uh, there's been, um, let's see, I think Travis asked here, was Mario's run under center a pistol? That was actually a pistol look uh, for South Carolina. That had a little motion with Omega Blake. Pistol look. It was blocked up well. Josh Simon was lined up as a tight end, kind of came across the formation. It was one of those times where Tennessee actually wasn't kind of downhill. They kind of caught their linebackers a little bit flat-footed. I think one of them kind of misfit a gap. And they blocked it up well. And and Mario was off to the races, man. So it was a it was a good play, and they executed it well. And Mario found the right gap and, and did the rest. Might be one of the best plays of the season so far in terms of just complete execution. Yep, yep. And, um, y- you know, there there's a little nuance to that play too. Like when I first saw it, I thought, oh, he just ran right up the middle. It was an open hole and he just took it to the house. Uh, first of all, the blocking for Rashawn Lee, he kind of climbed, uh, climbed to the second level. Nice little combo block gets to the linebacker. He, he made that play work, but uh, Garjulo had a nice seal block to, to keep them from closing that hole once it opened up. But there's a nice little nuanced way that Anderson hit the hole and then sort of veered a little bit to his left to to find the, the lane. So, you know, it's one of those things that just everybody did their job on, on that play. And South Carolina has run some pistol. They obviously don't major in it, but I think they were out of the pistol earlier on the quick throw to um, AB, either pistol or under center. It was a different angle than they normally use. Um, or maybe they were under center and faked the toss. Uh, there were a couple of things I felt like, Chris, they were setting up in this game for maybe later use. And, uh, do what? What do you say? I was, I, I was just saying I had the same feeling. They had, yeah, Travis saying that was under center. They were setting some things up. They were trying to set up a few complimentary looks, I think, and the game kind of got out of hand, so it's not as impactful maybe as it could have been. But um, – that the AB catch and run was one of the better plays of the day. And certainly the Mario Anderson just blocking it up. Good call against what they had. And um, great, uh, great run, obviously, by Mario. So to do list for you, Chris, you don't have to give your whole article away. You want to give people a couple of your top to dos for this week? Yeah. I mean, 
here's the starting point. I don't want to say nothing else matters, but the the biggest one, Wes, is get as healthy as you possibly can. And um, that's something that you're just a little bit more like at the whims of just your body, right? But uh, for the players, I mean, resting, hydrating, doing all the things you possibly can to accelerate that. But it's a beat-up team, and and this falls in the category of one of those things where you were talking about something else earlier and said the coaches aren't just saying it. Like Shane Beamer isn't just saying, ah, we're beat up. Like everybody's beat up after five games, especially with the schedule South Carolina's played, but theirs has been more so, right? And Juice Wells, is he going to be back for the Florida game? Gosh, man, I tend to think not, right? So let's not even talk about him, but can you get – I mean, A.B. was back for the Tennessee game, but was he 100%? No, and and Shane Beamer said before the game that he wouldn't be 100%. You, you still didn't have J, JT Gear has only played, I think, 16 snaps on defense this season. Uh-huh. This was a guy that could be a starter for you. He's been hurt. I mean, you've just, you've had the offensive line. I mean, gosh, seven guys out. You've got your starting left tackle out who hadn't even played this season. Your game one starter at right tackle went down early, hasn't been back. Uh, you've got, Marky Anderson never got to see the field, right? You had Ja'Kai Moore out. I mean, you got f- arguably four, like, starter or starter caliber guys that haven't been able to play for you, and um, and you're starting two freshmen. So the, the injuries have been impactful for this team, and um, you can't ignore that. So I, I think that's number one, Wes, is, is get as healthy as you possibly can. And uh, to that point, man, I I brought this up on the radio. I don't know if I brought it up here on the show, not to just, like, belabor the point, but there are guys that that have not been missing time that are banged up and bruised up as well. So I I think it's just as important for those guys. I do think it's important for A.B. You know, we keep talking about that. He's someone I think you could probably say, without me knowing any of the – finer details of it maybe he comes back and with a full week he's 95 percent you know going into the the stretch run as opposed to whatever he was at Tennessee but Beamer on his teleconference today saying um Tonka has been playing banged up Boogie has been playing banged up Spencer got knocked around obviously a bunch against Tennessee and so they practiced all those guys but they also let some of the young guys play a little bit more, whether that was on the defensive line, whether that was at tight end. Trey Knox has been banged up and kind of kind of playing beat up. I think Rattler was the first one to mention that in the post game after Tennessee, which I don't think we've really talked about. We knew Knox had the knee during preseason, but it really has not been talked about as at all after that so I, I saw him i saw him limping during the game like got up and i was like "Ooh, you know but he he finished the thing out he's been playing yeah, so with you it. got you got some guys toughing it out which there's probably 10 other guys who are also just kind of you know this hurts that hurts they're not injured but um yeah. it, they're not feeling great so th- this comes at a good time we'll talk about florida all next week but i, I don't need to tell anybody who's on this show listening or watching 
how important that game is going to be for South Carolina to get back to even, get back to three and three. A winnable game coming off your bye week. Um, this team, Chris, this program under Shane Beamer has generally done a pretty good job, I feel like, of reassessing, throwing out the right things, keeping the right things, tweaking things, and getting in a position to close strong. Mm-hmm. I, I got to ma- imagine, I got to think that kind of has to have started this week. Yeah, and that was actually another one of the points on my list. And it was, I I pointed it more towards the defense, but it's certainly the case offensively, Wes. I, I think offensively, the, the bigger issues have been injuries, right? When you look at the, the genesis of all, any issue on offense, we can talk about, not calling enough slants or screens or crossing patterns or posts or deep balls or like whatever you think of the play calling. All fair, all fair game to talk about. The genesis of all the problems is not being able to block guys consistently enough in the run game, in the passing. We've seen that in part all five games. In a couple games, we've seen it a whole, whole lot, right? It's kind of reared its ugly head. And it's unfair to just say, just play better on the O-line when we went through the injury situation, right? That that, When you lose your starting left and right tackle, it is going to affect things. When you play two true freshmen, it is going to affect things, right? Those are issues. When I look at the defense, have they been hit with some injuries? Oh, yeah, for sure. Are there guys playing hurt? Yes. But in terms of, like, just reassessing things, I think that's an area you look at. It's a different type of assessment. Offensively, it's kind of how how can you tweak things to kind of mask some of the issues? How can you maximize that? Defensively, I think maybe you're doing a, a little bit more personnel dives and a little bit more schematic dives and trying to figure some things out uh, because there's been some good, there's been some bad defensively. And so I, I like your word assess. I used the exact same word um, in my piece today. And that's going to be a key, you know, for this program during the bye week, the rest of the season, week to week, just trying to kind of assess. I mean, Shane Beamer has done a really good job through two seasons of when this team's been buried in kind of the court of public opinion of kind of reemerging and saying, yeah, no, actually, actually, we're not done, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to make a prediction. I, I think that, and again, my belief has always been that a lot more of this stuff is dictated by the matchup of that given week more so than even what you may do as a team or program. But I I think we're going to be talking, not this Sunday, obviously, next Sunday, I think we're going to be saying, man, defense looked a lot better against Florida. And that's not going to necessarily mean that it's fixed. I, I think it's a better matchup. Yeah. And I think there have been quiet improvements on this defense that have just not quite been apparent yet because of some of the matchups, because of some of the opponents. That um, like I, I think this defense is better than last year, even though I don't know what the stats would necessarily say at this point. And I think they're a little bit better at stopping the run, a little bit better at playing blocks, a little bit better. They're not quite as good, I think, at getting to the quarterback yet. But I, I think right. it's weird – the defensive line guys have like graded out pretty well individually. And, uh, you know, then you look, it's like, how are they getting quite enough pressure on opponents? Probably not. But 
you know, I, I think Florida will be a team that won't quite have that schematic advantage that Tennessee just – Tennessee is just a beast of its own right, I feel like, the way they spread you out. So I'm starting to be in line with you, not that high on Florida. And um, I think it's obviously a key game for South Carolina to win. But I think it sets up well for them to actually do that, especially coming off of a bye week when Florida has another game themselves this week. So, anyway, we'll have all next week to get into that. Um, plenty of time. But I, I, I think we're going to talk well about the defense after next game. And then, you know, but then you got the next mountain to climb in this bear of a schedule coming up that, you know, you maybe face a team that can threaten you a little bit more than Florida can. So we'll see. Uh, before we get out of here, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax, 803-462-5576. No tax society in the Mitchell or Clark household. Thanks nope. to Larry. Thanks to Liberty Tax. And um, it's not quite tax time yet, but guess what? It will be soon. And if you've had life changes, you still got a little bit of time before this year is over to set yourself up to make some changes that will affect your taxes in the coming year and make it a little bit easier. Also, the big thing is you just don't want any major surprises. Avoid those big surprises. You don't want to get a huge tax bill that you weren't expecting. There are things you can do. We all got to pay our taxes, so there aren't any secrets to that, but there are some different things that you're probably going to need to know that can help you maybe ease that burden or at least help you go ahead and get prepared in terms of saving some money for what that burden may be. So again, give our friends at Liberty Tax a call, 803-562-5576. Chris, I think we've tapped this one out for today, man. What do you think? I think so, man. We were were teetering on territory of starting to give the Florida scouting report and everything. Let's keep it on the bye week. One more show this week? We're doing a Friday? Yeah, I figured we will, man. I, I kind of – I don't know what everybody else is doing. I've been tinkering in my head with maybe trying to get multiple GCers on here and doing like a full-on bi-week roundtable. Okay, I like potentially. it. Potentially. I like it. You know, less work for you and me. Uh, Just get – maybe yeah, this, get Kendall this, Smith involved. This is really hard, Wes. I don't know. I know, I was really talking. tough work, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, I'm just job. kidding, y'all. I, again, you will never, you y'all know my pet peeve is people who get to work <laughs> in sports that complain about it. But um, huge pet peeve of mine. But, yeah, I think it'd be cool to kind of take some ideas and throw them around to to the whole crew. Maybe get right. Kendall involved, Colin involved, Mike involved. Uh, but we'll see. Either way, we'll we'll do something on Friday. Maybe we'll do a Q and A. I know we try to answer your questions anyway, but maybe we'll kind of dive say like, hey, send in your questions. We'll ask for them and then do a little bit of that. But either way, we appreciate y'all. Bye week rolling right along. Next thing you know, we're going to be talking South Carolina, Florida. Um, All right, y'all. For Chris, I'm Wes. Y'all have a good one. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.